How y'all doing out there, all our Gridiron fans? This is Kyle Means, Editorial Director of WeAreRegalRadio.com. And alongside me is the man, Ryan Bukovetsky, our main Bears writer and main source for all type of great information on the NFL and the NFL draft. And if you don't know, hopefully you should by this point, this is our fifth and final edition uh, for this year of the our draft preview. Uh, each week, we've been breaking down players, uh, potential Bears targets for this upcoming NFL draft, which is merely hours away now. Uh, Thursday night will be the first round a big deal all over as it's going to be on like 26 different channels i think but uh, a lot of people are going to be watching and seeing what's going to happen with their teams and, and whatnot and there's still some big trades that have uh you know that are, are on possibly on the table and actually some moves have happened today with that we're going to get into later that uh look to be impacting this year's draft in the first round uh, the Bears, as we've talked about all month, they, uh, as of now, they're not involved in the first round, but they will be involved in the third round, meaning uh, they'll be picking on the second day of the draft on uh, Saturday. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes with the Bears. You never know. Ryan Pace, uh, some quotes will come out today with Ryan talking about, you know, essentially that he's never scared to make a move if he thinks it's the right thing to happen, right thing to do for the franchise. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes down. But uh, today, of course, like like I said, it's our last uh, position preview, and we're going to do what we did a couple weeks ago and, and actually look at two positions given the time, you know, that's the that's factoring in here. Uh, we we've looked at positions uh, that typically look the positions that Ryan have already written about on WeAreRegalRadio.com. So we're going to look at a cornerback, which he wrote about last week. You can read that now on our site. And uh, we'll also look at the position that he's going to write about this week, which is offensive line. And um, that'll be uh, out tomorrow. Uh, I guess it'll be today as you as you listen to it, uh, the same day as you listen to it. But uh, no, that you can read that as uh, you listen to this now here on World Anchor. But uh, Ryan, man, how you how you doing? First off, man, this is a the has to be a pretty exciting week for you, man. All this work, uh, researching and putting things together for us. You've been doing a great job and. Now it uh, kind of comes to fruition, huh? Absolutely. Uh, like you put it, uh, the draft is just hours away, and I feel this like bittersweet feeling where I'm really excited to see the draft come, but I'm sad to see the draft process go a little bit because uh, for me personally, the draft has always been one of my highlights ever since being a kid. I remember getting up, watching the draft Saturdays and Sundays before they moved it to Thursday night back on ESPN almost decades ago so definitely uh excited giddy to see what happens and for this draft this year it just feels like uh buckle uh, buckle up your seatbelts because it's going to be a wild ride we don't even know what's really going to happen with number one 
there's a ton of smoke there, and we'll get into some of these uh, draft rumors and thoughts, but on top of it, too, and when we start talking about uh, the cornerbacks and offensive tackles, you're going to see how different outlets have way different ratings for some of these players, and the uh, consensus opinions on some of these guys are just dependent on what your preferences are as a team or a scout or the media outlet covering these players. So it's, it's going to be, I think, a, a really wide-open draft. There's a ton of a top talent when it comes to the defensive line, but not so much everywhere else. And uh, even though that there isn't that top first round talent for a lot of the other positions, when you start getting into the second round in this draft, it's a really loaded draft with guys that could potentially be playmakers for your team. Yes, indeed. And and we'll get into a league wide look at uh, the, the draft. The, in the first round and everything coming up in a bit. But like I said before, let's get into the position stuff and the Bears' specific specific look at some of the Bears' options at a couple of these remaining positions. And let's start off with, uh, like uh, like you said, the the position that you wrote about last week, cornerback. And the player you focused on, a pretty interesting prospect, uh, Lonnie Johnson Jr., uh, Kentucky cornerback uh, and a uh, native of Gary, nearby Gary, Indiana. Uh, pretty hard scrabble type of uh, uh, you know, uh, type of background for him, but he's a guy who's uh, you know gotten out of uh, you know some bad situations and is, is you know went through junior college and everything, if I remember right, and. Uh, you know, made a place for himself on a pretty uh, interesting and successful Kentucky team this past season, and now he looks to be a guy who you knows should you know should be drafted by someone, if not the Bears. And um, you know, what 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 are your thoughts on Lonnie as we look at uh, the possibilities for him and and his possibilities as maybe being a future Bear. Interesting, Kyle, because when I wrote this piece at the time, doing some research, looking around, a lot of draft experts through various media outlets kind of had Lonnie Johnson around where the Bears are picking, but he has been steadily rising up the draft boards and is now projected to be a second-round pick and arguably a top-ten quarterback in this class. And it really started with the NFL Combine. He put together a terrific workout. He has a lot of size. He has speed. He can definitely play that outside corner, and he has all the tools that you want. The only real negative about Lonnie Johnson is he just didn't have quite the production that you wanted to see in college. He just had one interception in two years at Kentucky. He had to sit out the 2016 season to focus on academic eligibility and uh, little, little things like he doesn't have the, quite the top end speed, so he may struggle a little bit against some of the faster receivers on the outside. But uh, really, what he just needs to work on is being more of a playmaker, getting his head around, kind of like Kyle Fuller a little bit, where Fuller showed this year that he can kind of be that playmaking corner, and maybe it started more so last season. But uh, before that point, Kyle Fuller was just kind of like a solid corner that really couldn't make plays on the football, and we saw how much that changed and how much of an impact that is, and it, it really feels like Lonnie Johnson could be headed on that kind of similar path where if he gets uh, some proper coaching, good coaching, wherever he goes, those physical talents should blossom and he should get better and more consistent than you would think. 
as a player, and uh, he definitely would be a very good prospect for the Bears if he were to drop there. And looking his fit on the Bears, right now they obviously are very good with their top three corners with Prince Mukamura, Kyle Fuller, and Buster Screen. But the, when you look at the depth underneath those guys, not, uh, not a lot of established players there. Um, last year, they had the kid from LSU, and sorry, his name is escaping me right now, but uh, he was the uh, undrafted free agent that they got uh, after the draft was done, and they just continued to like the kid because of his size, and really what he did at LSU was uh, very productive. The only problem was he just wasn't able to kind of stay out of trouble and stay on the field kind of thing. He uh, played very well this season overall, and uh, maybe the Bears want to continue developing him, but again, that's an undrafted free agent. That's not a guy that you really put in a ton of resources into, so that might be an area where they say, you know what, in case Amukabar goes down, in case Kyle Fuller goes down, let's get another big corner that can play on the outside. Okay, definitely. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting, like you say, you have a player like this who uh, you know, doesn't have the numbers necessarily on the field, but it seems like they have the numbers off the field. And uh, you know what? You know, how do you think these teams weigh that weigh that stuff out? Is it is it simply like you say that the coaches are confident that that if you give them this raw this this more raw mold of all, of uh, athletic ability that you know, all they got to do is coach them up. And, and he'll be made into a, a more productive player at the NFL level? Or is it, or is it, or are they fine with just having that physical, uh, no physical ability there? And, and they figure that's, you know, something will just snap in them at some point. What, how do you think that the coaches approach a guy like that when it comes to their, uh, you know, the time that they spend before the combine and, and the time that they spend after? Yeah, definitely. And by the way, the uh, cornerback that I was referring to on the Bears is Kevin, Kevin Tolliver. Sorry, that name escaped me for a second there. But uh, All right, yes, going Kevin back to Tyler. your question about uh, how teams kind of decide, that's a, that starts right away in the front office, Kyle. It, it depends what your philosophical approach is. And looking at the Bears, what has really Ryan Pace done since he's been here as general manager of the Bears when it comes to the draft specifically? In the first round, he's really gone after top-end talent with ultimate physical tools, but maybe more raw when it comes to their production and consistency at the college level. And other teams would shy away from those type of players and want guys that they saw a lot of production and consistency out of in college, but maybe they're sacrificing some of the physical tools that that other raw player has. So really, it, it starts with the general manager's philosophy then he hires his head coach, and they try to align themselves with what type of players, what kind of attributes, what kind of skills they're looking for. And uh, Ryan Pace is a big believer in, hey, I'm going to draft the best players, and my coaches are going to coach those guys up. Some teams would go the opposite route, but uh, it's really just dependent on who you are. And if you want to go for maybe the raw physical player, those tend to be more boom or bust type players versus other guys that maybe you have a long track record of in college they might not become superstars because of their lack of physical special ability, but you know what they're going to bring Sunday, every Sunday. 
So it's really just dependent on, on, I think, philosophically where you align and how comfortable you feel with the coaches, with the players you have on your team. Because as we know, it's not just about coaches. These players have to kind of be helped taught by the other teammates on the team. They have to buy into the program. And if you, through your interviews, and that's why the combine is so important, because you get to see the medicals and get to talk to these players really for almost the first time. That's why it's so important to get a read, get a feel on these kids and how you think that they might respond once they come into your locker room. If you feel like you've got a hard worker, a guy that just loves football and has those physical tools, but it just hasn't worked out so far, maybe you feel a little more inclined to gamble on that guy because you know that he's going to put in the work based on your research and talking to his coaches and scouts and all that stuff. And you feel a little bit more comfortable that those physical tools will blossom versus maybe another guy who has the physical tools, but then you hear he's very lazy and that's what caused his consistent or inconsistencies on the field. Maybe you shy away from that player. Well, it's interesting. This sort of uh, makes me think of the NBA in some ways where you may have gifted, you know, youthful players or players who just shoot up out of nowhere with certain abilities, but they haven't been coached for long or coached at all. And they or and, you know, you have those guys as opposed to like maybe a four year starter who was, was contributed a long time at a program and, you know, but they, they're seen more as just a college guy and they're just, Absolutely. you know, yeah, they, they don't seem like having that, uh, that transcendent talent to make them have an impact on, on the next level. But, uh, you know, some, sometimes those players can be, can find a way, maybe there'll be more role players, but you no, know, it's sometimes good. You know, a lot of ways it's good to have guys who can take coaching and who uh, you know come in with a proper mental state, a, a, a professional mental state that they built up over time on the college level. And like you say, you know sometimes the gifted guys can be can be mental cases and not want to work, or you know they the game just may come too easy for them and they don't put in that extra work to make them uh, you know progress over time. So it's it can be a crapshoot in that way, definitely. But, uh, and looking uh, and really quick, Kyle, looking back at Lonnie Johnson, uh, a lot of teams and scouts have loved his demeanor and they praise him for his work ethic and competitiveness. He's considered a alpha dog type athlete. So a lot of teams, I think, are not afraid of his lack of production, which is why he continues to rise up draft boards. They just feel comfortable with the interview process that for whatever reason, things maybe just didn't work out quite how they should have worked out in college. But this is a guy that has all the tools and should be able to help. And another thing, too, if he were to be drafted by the Bears, one thing that this player specifically has, maybe than some of the other corners, is he's considered a special teams ace somewhat in terms of blocking kicks. And okay. they think uh, he could be a real good player immediately making impacts as a kick blocker. Okay. that's and that's something, too, that uh, is – I don't think we've talked about enough over these past few weeks because with some of these players, I know you mentioned that, you know, some of them may be destined, you know, either because of the position they're at or because of their where they're at in their development. Some of these guys may be destined to be backups, at least for the first couple of years. So if that's the case, you're likely to hit to do some reps and, and spend some time on special teams. So, and that could definitely be a way for you to separate yourself from other players who get drafted and 
you know, find a way to, to keep a job and not just be a guy who uh, is going to be on a practice squad or something else like that. No, that's a great point, Kyle, because everyone should almost think back to 2005 before the Bears went to the Super Bowl. They got beat by the Carolina Panthers in the divisional round, and what did they do the next year? They came back in the draft. They traded down in the second round. They got Daniel Manning followed by Devin Hester, and Devin Hester was uh, maybe arguably as big as anybody along with that defense in getting the team into the Super Bowl. So whoever the Bears get, because they're not going to have a ton of needs. I mean, think maybe that third-round pick, let's just assume for a second that they go running back because that's really maybe the biggest hope that they have on the roster. Every pick after that, you're talking about guys that if they aren't contributing on offense or defense, they're going to be highly considered special teams players. Because if you are not in the rotation on defense, offense, for whatever your position is, not consistently getting reps. You've got to help your team on special teams. And one thing that the Bears, I'm sure, will be looking for in this draft, maybe compared to other drafts, is trying to see what these late-round picks can do in terms of special teams because they don't have a ton of guys that they need to replace or get better at. Really, what they have is a really nice, solid foundation. Can they just continue to add to it where all three phases are as strong as it possibly can be? Definitely, definitely. And um, let's let's take a look at, uh, you know, you mentioned Johnson, who, you know, maybe in the third, maybe he'll be picked earlier. It, you know, it seems like the, the talk on him is that he may go even earlier. So if, if he's not there at, at in the third round or later, you know, uh, are there any other guys who, who uh, jumped out at you at, at that position, that cornerback who – because, you know, I think the Bears could probably use a quarterback in this draft, uh, you know, given, uh, you know, the depth and the depth of, of that position or lack thereof. And, you know, Scrine is a guy who's, you know, worked in the NFL, who's, who's proven. But I, I think not a lot of people were too impressed with that pickup. So, he, you know, who knows how long he'll be and, you know, you just need you just need more than just those guys, those starters out there. You know, you know Kyle has shown himself to be a a, a Pro Bowl caliber guy, and Prince is a playmaker and a, and a very level headed veteran. But you know, uh, like I said, it, it just seems like you need a little more though at the corners. Whether you want to use guys in nick in nickel or dime sets, or or if you just want to have someone who you could look to in the future to maybe likely replace uh, Prince because he's a little long in the tooth. But uh, no, it, are, there, are there any guys elsewhere who you think may be possibilities for the Bears at, at quarterback? Yeah, definitely. And again, this is another position where it's pretty solid once you get out of the first round. Maybe only a couple guys towards the top. And uh, certainly there's a, a few guys in the second round, but it continues to get more and more as you go down the draft boards. They're going to have plenty of options at guys that can either play on the outside or the inside. Maybe a couple guys that can do a little bit of both or be developed into both. But usually with cornerbacks, you either get solidified as a slot corner or an outside corner. And you brought up great points. When you look at uh, their cornerback, Buster Scrying, bringing him in, that move was mainly done because of how durable he has been as a player versus Bryce Callahan, who's just really, he's never had a full season of games. He just can't stay on the field all year long. Mm. And they felt uh, this player in Buster 
would be a, a solid guy, a guy that could hold down the fort, and a guy that would be available. And then you look at the other corners. Cal Fuller did a great job of staying healthy, but he's had multiple injury issues in the past. Prince Mukamura, by far, has beat most injuries, question marks, and even missed a few games last year. And really, he hasn't had a full season in quite a long time. And then you look at the guys after those starters. You know, you point out Kevin Tolliver and maybe some of the other lesser-known names on the roster. They don't have a ton of guys there. You can never have enough cornerbacks, just like you can never have enough pass rushing when it comes to defense, especially when you get into the playoffs and teams are going to start air raiding. And you look at it across the league in the NFC, the Saints, the Rams. I mean, these are teams that are going to air raid it. The Seattle Seahawks just paid Russell Wilson. He is going to throw the football, even though they're a running football team. So you've got to be able to find some corners. And looking at this draft, they have – Multiple options if you look at really just the third round specifically. Uh, a couple names that come to mind to me is uh, Jamal Dean, who is uh, out of Auburn. He's a guy that probably is more of a slot corner at 6'1", 206 pounds, but he has a ton of speed at a 4'3", 40-yard dash. Only real thing that uh, teams are looking at with him is he's had some injury, uh, injury question marks in the past toward his ACL meniscus his junior year of high school and then tore that same meniscus the following year. So because of some of those injury questions, he didn't get quite the offers that he wanted because he originally was a Ohio State commit and uh, never really had quite the ball skills that you might want to see out of that slot corner, but a really solid corner and a guy that can definitely play that position. Another guy is Juwan, Joe, Juwan Williams out of Vanderbilt. He is a really big corner at six foot four, two hundred eleven pounds, with thirty-two and a half length arms. Oh, and yeah. really, really, really big corner, and he excels at playing those 50-50 balls. The only thing with him is he had a slower forty-yard dash at the combine at a four-six-four, so that might scare off some teams that he might not be able to handle speed on the outside. And a couple more names just to keep an eye on. Uh, David Long out of Michigan, Isaiah Houston, or I'm sorry, Isaiah Johnson out of Houston. And uh, one other guy that caught my eye was Amani Arawawe out of Penn State. Hope I got that one correct. But six foot two, 205 pounds, 31 and 3 eighths inch long arms. He's got a great wingspan. He tested really well at the combine number. So really his tape showed a physical athlete that can play all over the field. Okay, okay. And out of, out of those guys, who do you, how many of those do you think would be options in and in the third round at 87, or would they mostly be options for later in the draft? Those guys that I mentioned are probably your uh, options at uh, number 87. Those guys are projected in the third round, but one thing to keep in mind, and this might be a good segue into the offensive linemen, uh, this draft is going to be very interesting because it starts right away with Kyler Murray. Does he get picked number one by the Cardinals? Let's say he doesn't, and everybody starts picking some of these defensive linemen and things like that. Maybe that pushes some of the corners down. If, or, if anything, maybe Kyler Murray gets picked and there's suddenly a run on quarterbacks, and that really pushes prospects down to the Bears. So they might be in a position to catch some guys that come down, or some of these guys that I mentioned – even though they have a third-round grade, you go to maybe another media outlet or talk to another scout, they might be as high as a second-round grade. There's a lot of really different opinions on a ton of these uh, position groupings across the board. 
really the only position grouping that's, I think, somewhat solidified by experts is the defensive line group. It seems like they know who are the guys that really fall in line. But other than that, you talk about the cornerbacks. Some of those guys I mentioned could go in the second round and maybe Lonnie Johnson falls down in the third. Yeah, that's real interesting there. I think uh, this this is a this is something that's you would be pretty knowledgeable of if you if you watch the draft for a long time, but not necessarily if you if you're just starting to watch it. You know, the there's so many different variables that are in mind that can be kept in mind when it comes to how the draft actually plays out, and you know, you know, there's so many opinions out there. Your opinion, my opinion. You know, every everybody online has an opinion, but there's very few of us who are actually in those war rooms and who are, you know, uh, really a privy to the to the information that's really guiding and driving these these uh, GMs and scouts who are you know, putting together these uh, plan these game plans for the draft and who eventually make the picks. So, you, like like you say, you know, perfectly, Ryan, like. A lot's going to depend on what positions are addressed in the first round, and who who's you know who's uh, you know who's high on who, and uh, where where they where are they high at? You know how many teams are going to trade down, if any. You know you figure there'll be some, and uh, you know it's just like this whole momentum shifts that can happen. It's it's sort of like the ocean, like you know. You, you see, you know the wave is coming, but you don't know how hard it's going to hit you. And for the Bears, it's very interesting because, you know, as we said with some of the earlier shows, typically the Bears are one of those teams up high who you're uh-huh. you're trying to decide who are they going to go for strength or are they going to go for need in the, in the top ten or so. But now they're far back in the process, and they're going to be – there's a lot that they're going to be depending on that's going to, uh, you know, make make a difference in regards to what they actually do, whether they're where they stay, whether they stay put at 87 or if they go a little higher or go even higher, you know, than than we can imagine them going. So uh, that's definitely uh, going to figure into the draft overall. But uh, right now, let's let's take a break here and reset things. And, uh, you know, we're through with the cornerbacks for now. And uh, let's we'll get into the offensive linemen, and uh, then go go back into some uh, some more overall uh, viewing of the draft, and uh, also talk a couple more issues in the league, some uh, uh, some some personnel stuff with established players has uh, popped up this week, and uh, one in particular is important for the Bears. So we definitely gonna get into that. So uh, this is the War Draft Preview. This is your man Kyle Means with Ryan Bukovetsky, and uh, we'll be back right after this. All right, we're back. Kyle Means, Ryan Bukovetsky, War Draft Preview, Bears Draft Preview, uh, our final week preview in the draft, uh, which is coming up on Thursday. Uh, in Nashville, they're going to have some fun down there uh, in Tennessee, uh, giving us all the picks. All the teams are going to be making big decisions about uh, their their near future and, and, and beyond. And 
you know, we of course we are talking about the Bears. We're focused here in Chicago on those monsters of the midway and seeing who's going to be the, uh, you know, the future Bears and who's going to uh, add to this division winning team from 2018. And uh, our last segment, of course, we, we talked about the cornerbacks uh, as written by uh, Ryan uh, last week. You know, we focused on Lonnie Johnson Jr. out of Kentucky, who may or may not be with uh, available by the Bears pick at 87, third round, but uh, also some other options there that could be available at 87 or thereabouts. But now we're going to go into the offensive line. Uh, as I said, uh, said earlier, you'll be able to read that on WeAreRegalRadio.com on Wednesday. Uh, so while you're listening to this, uh, you should be able to listen uh, to, to read that as well. Uh, if not, Right, if not, you know, right away and soon after. But uh, yeah, we, as we start off our look at the offensive line, Ryan, uh, you know, the, the player you're focusing on this week is uh, David Edwards and a uh, uh, another local product uh, from Downers Grove, you say, and uh, a player, a Big Ten player from Wisconsin, which uh, you know I know a little bit about having worked up there. Uh, they love football and they love big offensive linemen in Madison. So uh, yeah, tell us about, tell us about uh, young Edwards and uh, you know, what are, what are the possibilities with him? Yeah, he's a very interesting prospect and I specifically looked at offensive line and offensive tackle because that's a key area when you talk about the NFL draft. Everybody talks about how important protecting your quarterback is in today's league, and that really starts at the tackle position. And a lot of times, tackles are converted into guards, sometimes centers, depending. And uh, the versatility that they can bring usually means that they're a little bit more valuable than going after guards or pure guards in the draft. But it just depends on the prospect, of course. And David Edwards, depending on where you look, some people have him as high as a low second round or high third round grade. Some people see him going almost off the board and not getting drafted at all. So it really is oh, wow. wide open to how people look at him because he can go from the 200th prospect to the 66th prospect, depending. And really, I think most people have him kind of in the middle of that, where it's around the Bears in that third round area, around 87. He's a uh, high school quarterback that got converted into a tight end at Wisconsin that converted again into an offensive lineman. So he's still a little bit raw at the position overall. He uh, needs to get a little bit stronger. He needs to get more work on his technique and fundamentals, being more of an anchor when he is in his pass protection or when he's fighting with his uh, hands and run blocking. But he's very good with his hands. He has that mauling ability, and he has done a lot of experience in multiple uh, blocking schemes at Wisconsin. He's uh, a guy that is going to be coveted because there's not a ton of top talent tackles in this draft. And uh, really, he could be a guy that uh, could potentially grow into something really strong. Maybe his best position is not at offensive tackle. Maybe he's going to ultimately be a guard. It's still a little bit uh, jury's out with him, and he does have some shoulder injuries that were a problem at Wisconsin. So some teams, depending on what they saw at the medical at the combine, 
or just their medical in general may be a little bit uh, hesitant to go after him, but a lot of people have him kind of around that area where the Bears are going to be drafting, and especially in a weak offensive tackle draft, he might be a guy that uh, really rises up boards. Okay, you're not lying about him being an interesting prospect. I, I, I don't know if I've ever heard about a guy, and I, I know in Wisconsin they do do a bit of uh, a position switching, but I'm two positions, uh, switching two positions and like steadily getting bigger each time. And I could picture them just feeding him brats, you know, all the time and oh, making making him. <laughs> Yeah, this yeah, we're gonna make you a little make sure you're a little bit bigger as we in, as we enter the next camp so you can play this other position for us. It's it's pretty interesting. No doubt he's going to benefit very heavily from just being in an NFL weight room. As soon as he gets drafted and they start doing uh, rookie mini camps, he's going to benefit a lot from being able to just go and work out in an NFL uh, weight room and that might be a big difference in how he has an immediate impact or perhaps not an immediate impact. Yeah. I would think, too, with, you know, the fact that, you know, he's played quarterback and played tight end, that his ability to read plays is probably pretty good. And he's a guy who you think will probably have some good footwork. Uh, You know, athleticism seems, you know, to be valued uh, more and more. As uh, on the offensive line, as as defenders are ever speedier and you know stronger, you know you got to do something to offset the advances that uh, pass rushers are making. So uh, you look at some of the Bears' success stories as of late, like you know Kyle Long is a very offensive guy coming into, the, I mean uh, uh, a very uh, athletic guy, I should say, coming into the league. And uh, was it Daniels from last year? Yeah, James Daniels. Yeah, Yeah, and the guy who, you know, they look like you could put him at each position in in the line at at some point. So uh, it's it's interesting to see uh, another possibility along that line uh, who can be flexible and maybe uh, you could plug into different positions and, you know, just if if anything, as they, like you say, they learn the game. You know, at least he can give you some, uh, you know, some athletic gift. If if not the uh, have all the intangibles and, t- and intelligence yet, he can at least give you some at- something uh, athletic uh, spark on the line. Definitely, and uh, looking at uh, what Edwards could potentially bring. You know, one thing is he was a tight end in Wisconsin, and we saw last year Matt Nagy using some of these offensive linemen like Brandon oh, yeah. Soul, who has <laughs> that athletic ability as a pass catcher. Yeah. He him as a potential decoy or red zone threat, so he could be a guy, and that's something that uh, Bears fans might have to get used to in this draft is some of these players that the Bears get, maybe can help them in other ways than just their position that they're drafted at because of the ways that Matt Nagy uses his creativity. Yeah, good. Very good point there, man. We <laughs> see all types of red zone packages, and you know, Sewell. That was one of the the funnier moments. Uh, but it was a real that was a really cool moment last year where he got his touchdown. And uh, yeah, you, yeah, you never know with you never know with Nagy. So you got to be aware and got to be uh got to be ready. So definitely Edwards' uh, pass as a as a playmaker could definitely help him as a bear. So. Uh, that's uh 
you know, again, as we look at the value of the pick, uh, it's, it's interesting too. Where you where you had you know you mentioned such disparity and where people have him. You know uh, that's not something you hear often either. Where a guy could be looked at as a second round pick all the way down to uh, you know undrafted by some, but uh, you know would he look to be a value pick in the third round for the Bears? seems to be the general consensus on him, but overall, I think it's just really how you look at him as a player. He has traits that I think are attractive to a team. When you talk about coming from that pedigree of Wisconsin, he's able to handle these different position changes, and even though he's raw at it, he's steadily gotten better and better at playing offensive line, and like I said earlier, he has his experience at playing at a high level in multiple blocking schemes. But then you look at the other side, and you could have another scout simply come up and say, well, there's a ton of shoulder injury problems at Wisconsin. This kid is super raw. He's not great at being a tackle right now. So who knows if he will be great at the next level doing it. So really, it just depends on what traits you're looking for because he has intriguing ones, and he has also ones that may have that red flags. So he might be more of a boom or bust type player, but uh, – He's definitely considered that third-round area by, I would say, a majority of NFL draft coverage. How many starts did he have at Madison that tackle uh, or games played at, at that position? Do you know? Uh, I can look it up real quick, but I believe he did it his – he was redshirted, I want to say, and that's when he played at the tight end position. And then the following year, he was still in his freshman year technically – so he was uh, brought in as an offensive lineman, started again the following year uh, at offensive line, his sophomore year. Then his junior year, which is the year he came out, he continued to uh, play at that position. And looking at his starts or his games, uh, I don't have an exact on that at top. Offensive line, I think uh, my stat cycle is not having uh, the correct ones because saying one – that's not correct. Mm-hmm. But uh, let me see if I can look that up real quick. Okay. Well, uh, while you look that up, uh, uh, no, of course, uh, we look at other options at offensive line. And, uh, you know, you, you know, with the Bears, again, that's a place where you may not have the highest uh, need, but it's a place where a lot of uh, attrition can happen every year. You know, you lose guys and, you know, Long lost some time again this year, although you know, reports are having him feeling pretty healthy again now. But you never know over the course of the season uh, what type of rotation you're going to need on the offensive line. So, again, this could be a position where the Bears definitely address. Uh, you know, it seems like year to year you see them address it in some way because, you know, there's a constant rotation of guys on the line. So, uh you know, are, are there any, was there any other prospects that uh, on the offensive line, whether guard or tackle or center, even that uh, jumped out to you as possibilities? Yeah, there there definitely is quite a few. And looking at uh, again the draft overall, I would say that offensive line is in a strong suit in the first round. So uh, it depends how teams kind of draft. Because this is something we'll probably get into in a little bit here. Because we know philosophy of the draft, right? It's, it's always the cliche. Do we take the best player available or do we address our needs? 
And it'll be interesting to see how some of these teams decide that because I know that you're going to get towards the middle of the first round or the beginning of the second round, somewhere in that gap. You're going to have teams with offensive line questions. And depending on if they want guard, center, tackle, that may push some of these prospects down for the Bears. And looking at uh, some other guys that might be available, a guy from USC, Chuma Edoka, caught my eye as a guy that could potentially be a, a really nice player for them. Uh, Bobby Evans out of Oklahoma is another one. He had a, a solid year with his uh, Oklahoma Sooner team protecting Kyler Murray and then a terrific stellar offense. Another, I guess, somewhat local kid out of Northern Illinois, Match Sharping really caught my eye. I don't think he's going to be available when the Bears pick because of really his incredible combination of size and athleticism. He's 6'6", 327 pounds, but really can move and has a really high football IQ. The only thing is he played against the lesser competition at Northern Illinois, and there are some technique question marks around him, but I look at a guy like that. If he were available when the Bears pick, you give him to Harry Stan, the Bears' offensive line coach, I'm sure he would be able to get rid of any technique question marks, and with that amazing athletic ability that he has, he could be a tremendous upgrade at any of the offensive line spots, but primarily tackle. Okay, sure, sure, and that's that's where a guy like Heaston is is definitely worth his his weight and gold because you know you figure you know you could take a risk on a guy like like you like you say who who may have played with lesser competition or or even a guy like Edwards who just doesn't have much experience at the position and uh, you know you can you can feed him the, to the coach and he'll likely uh get a lot of bad habits out of them and make them into a more well-rounded pro on the line. Definitely. Yeah. Look at what he did in one year. He turned Charles Leno into a Pro Bowl alternate, and that was uh, not like Mitch Trubisky's alternate. I don't want to take any away from Mitch, but Mitch was given the Pro Bowl selection because guys like Matt Ryan and some of the other quarterbacks in the NFC didn't take it. That wasn't the case for Charles Leno. He was considered by the league as – one of the top tackles, and that did not happen until Harry Eastan got a hold of them. And then Harry also produced another uh, pro bowler in Cody Whitehair. And Whitehair, we know from since he was drafted, has always really been a solid player, but seemingly we're hoping he would take another big step, and he really took it last year. So that, no doubt about it, Kyle. Like Harry Eastan is one of the best pickups the Bears have made under Ryan Pace, along with Matt Nagy and the rest of that coaching staff. So it, it, you can feel comfortable about giving him a project. And a guy that maybe keep an eye on for on the roster, Richard Coward, that has been Harry Eastan's project so far, and he's continued to get better and better. If you give Harry a guy like this Max Sharping, who uh, has all the physical tools you could ever want as an offensive lineman, you would think that he could really turn him into a really great player. And then, of course, we talked about it last year, with Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson. Those guys were developed by Eric Houston at Notre Dame. Yes. So he, he is tremendous at putting together five guys that play well together and do what the offense needs them to do. Okay, def- definitely, definitely. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that pretty much do it as far as our position breakdowns go. And like I said, you can read them all on com right now. Uh, so uh, enjoy those in the in the in the remaining time leading up to the draft. If 
you know, if they're not future bears, they should be future somebody. So uh, they could definitely, uh, you know, reading up on those guys and, and the way that Ryan writes about them should definitely make you a little bit more knowledgeable and a little bit easier to talk to at your local draft party. So definitely uh, check out our coverage on WeAreRegalRadio.com. But uh, as we as we move on here with this special, this week's special, uh, let's talk, a, like I said, we'll talk a bit about the draft as a whole. And Ryan, I know uh, you mentioned to me you got some some tips or some, some, uh, you know, some, uh, except some, some advisory, some advisory things you want to get out there for people who, you know, uh, you know, who may not watch the draft all the time or haven't watched it as long as we have, you know, just some, some things to get through with the first round at least. Uh, what, what do you, what do you got to say about that? Yeah, definitely. I, I wanted to, like you said, give some tips, helpful hints in terms of watching the NFL draft for anybody that's maybe newer to the process. Because unlike really most sports, except for maybe the NHL, uh, you have a lot of rounds, but the impactful rounds are usually the first couple rounds in a sport, but not the NFL, because we know that you can really find a ton of talent all the way through the seventh round, depending on what uh, the draft is and depending on how the draft goes. And that's where I kind of want to start. Usually with a draft, in the NFL draft, there's usually a a tipping point, a player or spot in the draft where if this guy goes here, it's going to have large ramification, ripple effect type stuff for the rest of how the draft plays out. And a lot of times why analysts hate mock drafts is because if you get one pick wrong, basically all the picks get wrong after that. So it's almost like a domino effect. And looking at this draft, that player starts at pick number one, which doesn't normally happen. I would say that that's a little bit rare. That starts with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. If he is going there, and there is a ton of smoke, a ton of smoke. And this is lying season, so you can't trust the rumors and what people are saying, per se. Because even just within the last few days, there's been reports that the Cardinals are taking him at number one. Or there's reports that they're going with Nick Bosa, and they are not going to take him. Hmm. number one, depending on the outlet that you are reading at. But really, him going number one is going to have a huge effect on this draft if he goes there. And perhaps the Cardinals, one way or the other, they're either going to take him or they are putting out this smoke to try to get a trade, to trade down and get their pass rusher and a bunch of picks and maybe get a team like Oakland to jump up to go get Kyler Murray or maybe the New York Giants who sit at number six that need a quarterback. So it really just depends. And the other thing, too, to remember is when you talk about these prospects and we've been talking about where your guys fit, it only takes one GM to fall in love with a player to just make a pick that you did not see coming, a player that maybe is not as highly rated or maybe you just didn't see him going around that pick selection. It just takes one guy to fall in love with that player and then all of a sudden, again, the domino effect. Because one thing to keep in mind, and I wanted to, to kind of connect this with what we t- talked about with the offensive tackles, right now in this draft, uh, I believe Jonah William out of Alabama is considered uh, the top offensive tackle in this draft. And he is a guy that really is the only first-round really graded prospect well, it's probably very unlikely that only one offensive tackle is going to go in the first round. And what sometimes happens, and this could maybe happen with a thing like cornerback, which we talked about before, or maybe you have four or five guys that are really good in the first round. 
if somebody takes that cornerback or that tackle, teams just after may decide to go after that position grouping, knowing that, okay, we got to get a corner, we got to get tackle, and they're starting to go. And usually you have a run on quarterbacks or a run on receivers. And what that means is teams are going receiver heavy or running back heavy, where there's a lot of those players selected in a short amount of picks, let's say like five receivers and 10 picks or something like that. That run on receivers has a huge effect on players going down in the draft. So if you're a fan of the Bears kind of watching this draft, never really seen a draft before, just make note of some of the the not necessarily, uh, I would say, the, the insurance type picks. If Kyler Murray goes number one, that's not really expected. That would be a surprise. He is not the top-rated prospect in this draft, especially when you talk about a bunch of pass rushers, and we know how important pass rushers are. They're considered much better players and prospects than Kyler Murray. But if that player gets hit, it's going to change how the draft goes. And anytime you see a player like Kyler Murray being taken in a spot that most people don't expect, maybe that happens at pick 14, where Jonah Williams is already off the board at offensive tackle. Suddenly somebody comes up and takes David Edwards out of nowhere and takes him in the first round. And then the next team a few picks out says, oh, we're losing tackles. we got to go into tackle. All the while, all these tackles are going. Maybe that cornerback, Lonnie Johnson, drops down to the Bears in the third round because there's a run on players. Because the draft is very fluid, and you'll have to sort of run with it when you get in there. Teams have prepared for multiple, multiple, multiple scenarios. That's all they're doing these last couple weeks. They already probably had most of their draft board finalized once the calendar turned to April. But these last few weeks are all about what do we do, who do we value, who are the guys we need to get what happens in this case what happens in that case so you have to be able to kind of roll with the punches in the draft and it's a very fluid thing so there's going to be a ton of surprises there always is every year and it just feels like this year there's going to be even more well said ryan and i think the the main concept as you described it in that in in that analyst uh analysis there is the position run and uh definitely uh, pay attention to say what positions are being picked picked apart and uh you know where where the teams you know where the team's needs are that you know that are picking and what positions are they really focusing on there's a really good uh ESPN 30 for 30 uh i think it aired uh, a week or so ago on saturday sometimes they show them on abc on saturdays and there was the one on uh uh, the 83 draft, uh, which is uh, maybe the most famous draft, uh, the and it's famous because of his quarterback run that happened in the first round. And that was uh, John Elway from the first uh, uh, the first pick down to uh, Dan Marino, who was uh, like the 23rd pick or something like that. He fell. He, he was a, an accomplished quarterback out of college, just like Elway, of course, but uh, you know, he he had issues. People were talking like this is the type. Of, this is where all this stuff sort of begins, where you had these outside reports meaning so much and all this uh, rumor and discussion pre-draft. And it, it led to Marino getting uh, drafted lower than than he really should have uh, because of, uh, you know, rumors and stuff surrounding him. And. Uh, you know, the, the, the documentary details all the quarterbacks that win. It was like seven. And, uh, you know, 
some were better than others. You know, the other great ones, Jim Kelly was in that class. Uh, and and, and it, it really just details well how uh, a draft can change even while it's already happening. You know, it's like, like you say, Ryan, it's so fluid. And it's never it's never set until it's until it's over. And all different types of uh, moves can happen while these teams are talking to each other, and uh, you know talking to their players, and you know is you know their prospective players, and you know you never know how it's gonna how it's gonna end until those picks are called. In in most cases, definitely. So uh, and, uh, well, good. Looking at uh, your example of the 1983 drafts, thought that was you know perfect how you said it. Run on quarterbacks, everybody had to have them. Of course, that year the Bears could have gotten Dan Marino, but they selected Willie Galt at number 17. Yeah, Dan yeah. Marino went into the Dolphins at number 27. But you saw it even last year. 27, the yeah, top yeah. 10, the run on quarterbacks. Teams had to have them, and they were starting to go. And you saw maybe the Cardinals go after Josh Rosen because the quarterbacks were going. And maybe now that's not their guy anymore. So it's really a fluid thing when you feel like, hey, we got to address this position. We have to make it better. And we have a lot of good prospects. Let's go get that guy. And you see it, uh, I'm sure this year, there's going to be a run. There always is of some kind of position group. This year, it's probably going to be pass rushers and defensive linemen because of how good they are. Don't be surprised if you see maybe in the first round, 15 or so defensive players and a bunch of them being pass rushers and linemen because there's just going to be a ton of players that teams are just not going to be able to pass up. And that's going to obviously affect the later round. It's where if you have a bunch of defensive players go in the first round, maybe you have a bunch of offensive players go in the second round, and then all of a sudden when the Bears are picking, you've got a nice mix of some talented offensive and defensive players are still available. Yeah, yeah. See, when you have the run, you got to have the counter run. It's like, you know, the team, you got to have the, an adjustment, you know, because if a bunch of players go on, like you said, on one side of the ball, you know, that's been handled. So now you got these teams who are going to be drafting still on need and, and, and for the most part, and they're going to have to uh, address other needs. But before we, before we finish, I, I want to just mention that 83 draft again, because that was, like such an interesting draft again for the Bears. You're talking two years before the '85 team, and they picked up Galt, who was a starter on on offense. They also picked up Jimbo Calvert, who was another starter. And the actually, you know, because we're talking about Marino and Elway, I, and actually, actually, this is more about Elway because El, uh, you know, if you don't know, famously, Elway didn't want to play for the team who had the number one pick going into that draft, which was the then Baltimore Colts. And the Baltimore Colts were about to move to Indianapolis, and they were like a very, you know, they were very uh, dysfunctional franchise at the time. Elway didn't want nothing to do with them. So there was the the main, you know, the main storyline for that draft was that Elway wanted to play for another team perfectly on the West Coast or on the western side of the country. And teams were trying to make trades to to get him uh, to get in that number one spot to draft him. And one of those teams was the Oakland Raiders. And uh, there was a trade on the table. The the move uh, the the thirty for thirty documentary details as well that would have had uh, uh, 
Oh my! Uh, with that Kyle Long's dad, Howie Long. Oh, you know, Howie Long. Yeah, go to the Bears. The Bears were sixth. Their first pick that year was six, and the, uh, I think the Bears would have took Long and would have went down or something. And uh, the, the movie details are better than I can remember now. But Howie Long would have ended up on the Bears, so that would have imagine that eighty-five defense with Howie Long on it. Yeah, especially be. him as a leader and being a guy that could be a great presence in the locker room, that would have been really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and and, and in the end, you know, it, it, I think they they say that you know Al Davis. There was some people who because there was conflicting takes. Some people said that Al Davis didn't want to get rid of Long. Other people say that Davis would would have made the trade. But the NFL interfered. Pete Rozelle was still the commissioner then, and he had a very, uh, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, a bad relationship, uh, uh, com- combative relationship with Al Davis. So, uh, it, like I said, that whole documentary is, is interesting if you can if you can look it up. ESPN Thirty for Thirty uh, on the '83 draft, Elway. I think it's called Elway to Marino, I believe. But uh, let's, uh, like I said, let's finish up with the first with the. Uh, this 2019 draft uh, analysis here, and uh, before we before we fin- finish it up, what anything else that's sticking out to you about any players that you think may be under the radar that could could, could maybe make a difference, or maybe some possible moves or in, any other news? That, I like the lion season uh, tag too. That that could be a good hashtag. We may have to use it on Thursday. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. What, 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 like, is anything else that just sticking out to you about what's going on leading up to uh, the all important first round on Thursday? Well, I've been definitely more focused on the Bears, the NFC North, and the NFC in general, just to see kind of what their path might be like. And definitely a ton of stuff to watch out for. The Detroit Lions have a top 10 pick. I think it starts there if you're a Bears fan or just if you care about the NFC North in general, which is generally this area. Uh, it starts right there. What do they do? Because they made some big free agent moves. Does that help them? They've got the quarterback in place. They've supposedly got the coach and all the coaches. And now it's just finishing up the rebuild. Are they destined for maybe somewhat of a turnaround? Green Bay has two first-round picks. What are they going to do with their first-round picks? And how – do they address some of their team needs and make themselves better around arguably the best quarterback in the league in Aaron Rodgers? Then uh, I look at uh, kind of going into Friday, I'm going to be very interested to see what players fall because there's a ton of playmakers that the Bears, I think, are going to have the opportunity to draft, whether it's running back, receiver, maybe tight end, certainly on the defensive side, if you're talking about pass rusher, you're talking about corners, safety. There's going to be an opportunity for the Bears to, I think, pick up a really good player. I I have really very little doubts about that. So what I'm going to be looking for is what do teams value early on on Thursday? Uh, We expect a lot of defensive players in the first round to go because those seem to have the highest grades. But there will be a lot of teams that say, you know what, defensive line, we like it, but we feel we can get some value and better players down the road. Let's go try to hit a home run by getting this receiver or that running back or this tight end. So I want to see how conservative teams are in terms of going after. And when you brought up uh, moves and trades, I don't even want to get into it because I really feel like it's going to be a lot of movement overall in the draft. 
because we've just seen a spike in movement in general in the NFL. Even since they uh, moved up that trade or moved back the trade deadline this season, we've seen now multiple seasons where trades are being done of guys that are bigger names, maybe not huge names, but certainly names that NFL fans recognize, not just third stringers that are being moved around for maybe half flexibility or a late round draft pick. And then we've seen in this offseason alone, huge trades, huge trades. You've got Antonio Brown traded, Odell Beckham Jr. traded. You got a ton of free agents moving around. It just feels like in today's NFL, teams are not going by the same old blueprint that they used to go. There's teams that are traditional, maybe a little bit more old school. There's teams that are more analytically driven or just that newer thought. There's teams that are trying to do something creative with their offense. So they need these players. There's teams that need to rebuild this defense to get that offense going. So I really feel like this is one of those drafts where it's setting up to have a ton of fireworks starting right away and really not letting up until the end of Saturday. And that would make a lot of sense. As wild as this offseason has been, uh, you know, with all these trades and everything, these personnel moves, a lot of money being uh, being thrown about. We're going to get into some of that in a minute here as well. Uh, it would make sense for the draft to sort of uh, be a, a, an appropriate climax to all that. You know, and and see a bunch of wild moves, and uh, you know, you know, maybe some teams are going to reach on some guys. You know, starting with Kyler Murray at number one, and uh, maybe some guys will fall, and you know, who knows what's going to happen, man? Maybe the Bears will get into the mix and and uh, do something around what? Who who knows at at this point right now? But uh, but as as of now, the draft uh, definitely is is going down on. Thursday, August uh, April 25th, and uh, it's going to start at 7, 7 o'clock here in the central time zone. Uh, you, like I say, you could you could throw a rock and hit a channel with your TV that's going to have it on, I believe. It's going to be like on Fox, it's going to be on ABC, it's going to be on ESPN, it's going to be on the NFL Network. Right, right quick, what, what uh, I've I really preferred the NFL Network coverage in recent years. What what uh network do you co- do you prefer to watch the draft on? Yeah, I think I've, I've kind of switched a little bit more to NFL Network as well now. Yeah, that may change this year because one guy that I love was Mike Mayock, but he won't be there this year because he's with the Oakland Raiders. So yeah. I'm going to be kind of interested to see how their panel. I used to be huge ESPN. I think back when John Gruden was more on the uh, on the draft side with Mel Kiper and Tom Shea, and I, I feel like their coverage. Maybe that hasn't quite dropped off, but it's not as good as it was, or maybe because of my nostalgia with Chris Berman and some of these other guys I, I don't mm-hmm. care for as much. But I'm definitely going to be trying to check out some of these other outlets and see what they do. And NFL Network is at the top for me because I, I want to see who they replace Mike Mayock with. And I think they do a tremendous job, and I like Rich Eisen a lot. Right, yeah. Eisen, Eisen plays a big role for me, I think. You know, uh, you know, I'm old enough. I, I remember when it was just ESPN, and you know, over the over recent years, like you know, NFL Network has been a big revelation. And um, I think, like I said, past four or five years, definitely, I've sort of stuck with them. As uh, you know, the other guys have sort of gotten old over there at ESPN, and they still do a lot, and they have a lot of great talent over there. But I like Eisen as a host, and I like some of the players. I like Dion and some of the more flamboyant players they got, uh, uh-huh. you know, with, with the NFL Network. And Mayock did play a role in that as well. He was 
sort of a guy who's a trusted source and an and a, a intelligent guy who, who approached the draft in a certain way where if you were very detail-oriented, you can you can appreciate that. And he, and he wasn't as uh he wasn't as much of a personality as uh you know as uh, Mel Kuyper has gotten into. He was, he's more in the middle of what Kuyper and McShay have become at ESPN. But uh yeah, we, we'll be interested to see who sort of replaces him in that role if it's one guy or multiple guys for the NFL Network. But I think they'll have appropriate uh replacement in there. So uh, regardless of what network you're watching on, it's going to be 7 o'clock on Thursday uh, for round one. And there'll be just round one on Thursday. Round two uh, and three will be Friday starting at 6. So if you, you know you're interested in the Bears, if if they you know sit sit tight and don't do anything, they'll be picking uh, after you know, probably around 7 or 8 uh, on Friday night. And uh, the remaining rounds, four through seven, will be uh, starting at 11 a.m. Uh, our time on Saturday. We'll run through the rest of that day. But uh, that's the draft. Uh, thanks again, Ryan, man. You've been on point, man, for the past several weeks, and it's been great talking to you about the draft. And uh, like, uh, just to let y'all know, this is we're not stopping the NFL talk anytime soon. We're going to... Uh, do NFL podcast, uh, you know, pretty much weekly. Uh, maybe we'll take some weeks off here in the, you know, in, in the downtime after the draft. But we'll by uh by the time camp starts, we'll definitely be picking it up with weekly shows. Uh, I may have an official title by then for our NFL podcast. But uh, we'll like I said, we'll we'll it'll be regularly me and Ryan talking. Maybe we'll have some guests here and there and everything other guys from regal maybe getting into the talk as well so definitely look forward to that as we continue in 2019 but before we leave this show let's talk about a couple of big uh newsy things that have happened just today pretty much starting with the frank clark trade uh the uh defensive end right uh uh, yes. Out of uh, out of Seattle, a guy who's made a name for himself up in Seattle, now is a part of the Kansas City roster, and Kansas City gave up a whole lot to get him. Man, uh, let us know what what were the details on that. Yeah, in terms of the trade itself, it has been reported that the trade is a first round pick for this season, a second round pick for next season, and both teams will swap their third round picks this year in the draft. So a decent haul for the Seattle Seahawks, if that is uh, confirmed and everything has been reported correctly. Uh, they're going to have two first-round picks now at 21st and 29th. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs desperate to get a pass rusher after they lost Justin Houston D. Ford. They lost Justin Houston to free agency and traded away D. Ford because they couldn't afford his contract. So a huge, huge for the Kansas City Chiefs who needed to address pass rushing and maybe were going to do it in the draft but wanted more of a veteran force, seeing as how they're in their window of competing right now with Patrick Mahomes. Definitely. So they gave him a five-year, $105.5 million contract with 63 of that being guaranteed, $2 million short of Russell Wilson's deal who signed a couple weeks ago for the highest-paid player in the NFL on his annual and 
just overall uh, contract worth. But a lot of money for Frank Clark and uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. They pair him up with uh, Chris Jones in the middle of their defensive line. And Chris Jones is a terrific player along with Frank Clark. So they have a nice couple pieces to start. And there's still plenty of pass rushers in this draft that, seeing as how they still have their third and second round pick, Kansas City can definitely find a Justin Houston replacement as well. Yeah, that's a big move there. Like you say, that that uh, guaranteed money just really, uh, I think, is what jumps out at me. Uh, like you say, just two million short of the the most recent standard for the highest paid player in the league, a quarterback at that, and that's where you know where you think the that's where you expect the the money to go in the league, especially the guaranteed money, but uh. But this this does go into what we've mentioned. Uh, we talked about particularly last week the importance of defensive linemen of pass rushers. They're pretty much on a level on the defense of what uh, the importance of what you have the quarterback on offense because they're the guys who harass quarterbacks. So if you wanna if you wanna have any type of impact on a guy like a Pat Mahomes or a Russell Wilson. You gotta have guys to go after them from the edges, and uh, you know Kansas City is a team that felt like feels like it can compete right now. They want to be able to have all the, the weaponry that the the teams uh, who are going to be gunning for them in the AFC have. So they they definitely wanted to get a guy to rush the quarterback, and they were willing to put up the money for it and uh, put up picks for it too. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. Where they, where, you know, how that affects the draft. It will be some immediate impact there, and definitely some impact as the uh, season goes forth this year with the Chiefs. So, uh, yeah, uh, big up to you. And one, big up to you, Frank. And one Clark. last thing with uh, Frank Clark. Uh, maybe another reason why Kansas City went after him. He is technically considered more of a four-three defensive lineman versus Justin Houston and D Ford, who are more considered three-four offensive linemen. Okay. And uh, Kansas City over the offseason got rid of uh, Bob or Gunter Cunningham, I believe, uh, their defensive coordinator, brought in Steve Spagnola, who's been a traditional 4-3 defensive coordinator. Okay. So this might have okay. been maybe a little bit more of a scheme fit, too. Okay, yeah, that definitely makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Okay. And uh, our last bit of uh, last bit of topic that we have before we go uh a lot of Bears fans feeling encouraged right now because of the news that uh, former kicker, all-time scoring leader in the franchise, Robbie Gold, is uh, trying to make himself available. He's on lock with the 49ers right now, but he's refusing to re-up with the Niners. And he and the, the news that's come out via Twitter, uh, particularly Adam Schefter of ESPN, is that uh, Gold wants to force a trade, and the details that have come out surrounding that is that he wants to be closer to home and closer to his family, I should say. And his family lives in the Chicago area. Uh, they still they didn't move after he moved, and the Bears let him go a couple years ago. But uh, you know, with everything that's happened with the Bears since then, the kicking struggles, Cody Parkey, uh, you know we. The, the sooner we can strike that name out of existence, the better. But, uh, you know, the, the crushing loss and everything and every and of course, gold 
has been just as good as ever uh, with the Niners over the past couple of years. There's just been this heartache thing with, with Bears fans and just wondering how we could make this happen, how we could get them back. But, uh, and, 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 you know, all the news today has just been encouraging because, like I said, you know, he wants to be close to the family. His family is here. You know, he can, there's a couple other places he could go where he'll be closer, but he, nowhere, nowhere where he'd be more close than Chicago. But, uh, you know, Ryan, you, you say you're not seeing that happen, man. I, I, I'll, I'll pass it to you, man. You could be the wet blanket if you like, but, uh, you know, what, what's, what's going on, man? Why do you, why do you, why you don't think that, uh, that eventually Robbie Gold will be reunited with the Bears? interesting you mentioned it it may affect the Bears draft uh, you know maybe they'll put picks up for this year or or coming years you know to to get gold and I guess in the end it's going to come down to you know who's prioritizing what are the Bears prioritizing this reunion you know which you know in a lot of ways will be done for PR reasons as well uh, as, as well as uh 
you know, comp competitive reasons. Cause uh, you know, maybe the Bears maybe the maybe the next Robbie Gold is already under the Bears control. Maybe it is one of these AAF guys that they brought in. But we don't know that. They don't know that. No, we definitely don't know that. So uh and, and one other point, Kyle, uh, I like how you brought up the kind of PR behind it. Don't underrate the possibility that the McCaskies could get behind this move. I'm sure they love Robbie. I'm sure they love for him to come back. I'm sure yeah. they love the opportunity to have this story. They may put pressure on Ryan Pace like, hey, we need a kicker. We know he's great. What's the problem here? Yeah, our fans love him. We know they, they I, that could very well be the case. So, you know, Ryan may have at, at an already pressurized moment, may have some more pressure to deal with. And, we, and you think, too, about – if if the if the the thing about Robbie wanting to be closer to home matters, if that really matters, you know, if he can't go to Chicago, then he would likely go to a a a, a, a an opponent in the in the Bears division because those are the closest yeah, teams. And, and interesting and, uh, enough, to that point, Kyle, Green Bay signed a kicker to bring in to challenge Mason Crosby. Do they have some kicking issues? Yeah. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings brought Dan Bailey off the street, and he has not been particularly great. He's been okay. Do they say, hey, we need a kicker. Let's go get our kicker. And even with the Detroit Lions, I believe they have Matt Prater, who is still aging. He's been pretty good, but do they feel like maybe that that's an opportunity for them to, to get a little bit better? I would think Detroit's probably the least on that, but I can certainly see a case for Minnesota and Green Bay, who have already shown that they have had kicking issues and they want to try to improve that position. Yeah, and beyond their own issues, you're, you're doing something that you know would keep the Bears lesser than what they could be. So that's definitely a, a move that if, you, if you're talking about Minnesota Green Bay, you should at least have that in your thinking as, as maybe that's something that they could as we that we could do. You know, because we you know we want to get the we want to get control of the division back. So. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, there's some intrigue uh, going about here with Robbie Gold. Uh, you know, kicking intrigue is not something that uh, that you think about with the draft at, or, or every offseason, but it seems right. to be the, the case here for the Bears and maybe for the NFC North at large. So uh, definitely keep. And the, one other thing, Kyle, I mean, uh, let's look at Ryan Pace's track history. Tell me one year he didn't make a trade for a player or in the draft that was a big-time trade, moving up or making a splash. That's something that Ryan Pace does, and maybe this is the trade this year where you go get Robbie Gold and you forget about your kicking position. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah he said as much again today. I, I saw some quotes on online on Twitter. He's they say he's he's gonna he says he's willing to make moves if they're there. For the better of the team, essentially. So, yeah, that's that's dealing Ryan, man. That's that's our that's dealing Ryan there. And uh, as far as our Ryan goes, uh, I gotta let you go. I know you gotta make your way into town to uh, to work on Dean Davis show today. So, uh, thanks again, brother. And uh, yeah, let's let's uh, get back next week. We'll have a lot to talk about. In the wake of the draft, we'll recap the draft and everything and uh, give you all the best that we can on, on what ha- what ended up happening with the Bears. Maybe maybe they've made that Robbie Gold trade or maybe somebody else will trade for him in that time. 
And, of course, there will be all types of picks and everything to break down from the Bears and from other teams. So we look forward to that definitely. And like I said, read uh, Ryan's draft breakdowns, uh, position breakdowns, available on WeAreRegalRadio.com. And um, as I listen to the Davis show, they'll have some some uh, good preview coverage of, of the draft as well this week, as well as a lot of more playoff talk in the NBA. Uh, just all type of good stuff, man. If you're not if you're not subscribing, if you're not uh no bigger than up, man, I don't know what, what's going on with you, man. But you you're missing, missing out. out. Yeah, you're missing out, man. The WeAreRegalRadio.com continuing to bring you all types of heat, man. As the, the weather breaks, and uh, we gonna be as hot as the summer when that comes. So uh, we uh we'll shit we'll send it out on that, man. The draft coverage wrapping up. And uh, definitely uh, bear down, y'all, and get ready for the draft and have fun watching it this weekend because we certainly will as well. All right? See you later.